0: All right, guys, you guys are in for a special treat. We are kicking off season five with a special episode. if you've been curious you're maybe in your uh, career or life uh you there's you know everyone has kind of a journey and i always I always laugh because I think all of us will say when we're getting interviewed like well I, i've taken an inter- interesting path to get here or um i'm not your average marketer or i'm not your average entrepreneur. And so on this episode, you guys are going to get the audio from the keynote that I gave at Social Media Day San Diego. Shout out to Tyler Anderson, Bill, and the team over there at Casual Fridays. But you're going to be able to listen to the audio where I actually share for the first time on stage my journey from Virginia Beach and my family's frozen yogurt shop to my college days all the way to Iraq and Afghanistan and how all of that impacted me and how I ended up in marketing and really what all of that means. And I, and I think this uh, this episode you guys are really going to enjoy because it's not a story you've heard in, if you've seen me speak before. It's not really a story you've heard on this podcast. So uh, here is a, my way of saying thanks for hanging with me and enjoying the month of June off of the show. And I hope you guys enjoy My keynote, which was the closing keynote at Social Media Day San Diego last week, Press the Damn Button, Importance of Digital Empathy, and Understanding that the world we live in today is full of bad news and fake news. The question is, what the hell are you going to do about it? Without further ado, here is the audio from my keynote. Enjoy. Have no fear of missing out. About FOMO. Your host is Brian Fanzo. They'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, I, Social Fans. Gentlemen, give it up for Brian Fanzo. He's gonna close it up. Social media day. Lock Everything's Everything's up. Up. it out, brother. We've heard that times are changing. The landscape that we're living in is unlike anything we've ever seen before. Digital and social media is transforming the way we communicate. We are living in a world where big giants like Amazon come in and disrupt the local companies, the local businesses. The everyday person can now create video by simply well, pressing a button, and I'll get more into that in a second. But is really everything changing? Are we in a dynamic that has unlike anything else before? I consider myself a change evangelist, which really just means I like change and chaos, otherwise known as I don't like programs, I don't like process. Anyone that's worked with me knows that's a, the that's a case for me. But I want to bring you guys back and kind of set the stage. Because I'm not sure if we're living in different times. Rather, we have more tools and more opportunities at our disposal. And I want to bring you back to a small little frozen yogurt shop in Virginia Beach, Virginia. (laughs) And so this is actually uh, my family's frozen yogurt shop. And we uh, started when I was 14 years old. And my parents, the the whole reason uh, they started this yogurt shop is I was the oldest of three boys. And to say um, I was the trouble one is probably the understatement of the year. And as I was becoming a teenager, my parents were like, how the hell are we going to figure out who his friends are and keep an idea of where he's at and what he's doing? And I think they also thought, like, who's going to hire him? He's a little spastic. He talks a lot. He has a lot of fun. Like, I love school. I got perfect attendance. I just didn't attend most of my classes. I, just, I, I figured out if you were on the newspaper team, you had a hall pass to leave class anytime you wanted. So I became editor-in-chief of the newspaper. <laughs> but during those times, I, we, we owned a frozen yogurt shop. And I remember this moment really, really interesting in in my career. And I think about it now a lot. And it, what happened was, we had it was a frozen yogurt shop before frozen yogurt became cool. So I actually had to serve the yogurt. I just didn't stand back there and organize the toppings, such as sweet frog and, and the yogurt that my kids and I enjoy today. And we had this yogurt shop, and it was a mom-and-pop-owned shop in Virginia Beach. And this small company, uh, slightly disruptive, known as Dairy Queen, uh, decided to buy the plot directly in front of our business. Directly, I'm, I'm talking in the parking lot, the same parking lot as our yogurt shop. And I, I remember going like, dad, that's screwed up. Like, what the heck are we going to do? I was like, Dad, I'll tag the outside of their building as they're building it. I mean, I got friends. I mean, I mean we, can, we can take care of this. And my dad's like, it's cool. I'm not worried about it. I'm like, Dad, it's Dairy Queen. Like, Dairy Queen's literally in our parking lot. I know you think yogurt's cool. And I used to have to tell my friends it's an ice cream shop because at the time, the concept of yogurt like, was like, didn't, you know, we didn't connect those two as being uh, very similar in the world. And my dad kept telling me one thing. He's like, son, we're a staple in this community. We, we build trust. We focus on our people. We hire people that, that are in the community, and people come to us. And my dad was always, like he always stressed that. It was something that meant a lot to him. And this picture you see on the left, that's my dad. And he's where, he had that picture hanging up in our yogurt shop. And that always confused me. I was like, Dad, well, first of all, we're in Virginia Beach, which is like slightly Redskins, Carolina Panther. We're not sure what NFL team we like territory. Most of Virginia is like that. That's where I live now. And he had, this, he had this hanging in the store, and right next to it was pictures of our family. A lot of it was how we moved from Pittsburgh to Virginia Beach and why we were there, a car accident my dad had got into. And I was always confused, like, what in the world is this there? And I thought it was just a little bit of my dad, like, bragging that he was in the front of the season tickets in 1969 for the Steelers, because we're season ticket holders. And so that was probably the face I was giving him as he kind of, like, built this story out and put that out. But one of the things I realized now, that I didn't realize back then, is that when you're thinking about business today, the old adage that people buy from people they like is never more important than today. Today we buy from people we like. We buy from people that, that we feel that we have a connection with. And I would actually argue in 2019, we buy from people that we can relate to. Our ability to relate with our audience, either online or offline, is what separates us in business. My dad was not scared of Dairy Queen because he understood that people in our community would drive past Dairy Queen to go to a frozen yogurt shop, not because our food was better, but because they had a connection and trust and a bond with us. They also kind of knew my dad's story that he was losing money for the first 10 years of this business at like $40,000 a clip, just so that all of my friends and girlfriends at the time all worked in the same yogurt shop. Like, every friend I ever had, like, I introduced them to my parents, and I would know within an hour they were going to get pitched that they were going to get $3 above minimum wage, and they could quit their other job. And so when you think about the world we're living in today, so much has changed, and we have so much power at our disposal, but at the same time, the same principles exist. And I told you a little bit about my dad, and my dad, um, to say he doesn't understand social media or figures out this entire game, I was Googling his name just, like, to find a picture, and he was—he, this picture is his only picture online, literally the only one that's existing, no Facebook account. He has a LinkedIn account, and this is his LinkedIn picture. So like, that's the only picture. That's... <laughs> but my dad grew a multi-million dollar business that was sold to Mars Candy, known as Old Dominion Peanut Company, out of Norfolk, Virginia. And one time I was on a, a show, a Google Plus Hangout show, and we were doing an interview uh, with a, a gentleman named David Meerman Scott. And my dad was listening to this interview that we were doing, and he sent me a text. And the text read, as I started to read it, it said, Son, I love that social media thing, which you know where this is going as soon as you hear social media thing. I love that social media thing that you're doing, but nothing that you do on social media will replace a handshake. Nothing that you do online will replace the ability to look somebody in their eyeballs, shake their hand, and build trust. Now, my dad was running this very successful, multi-million dollar company and did not have a computer with email in it until 2009. Yes, I know. Trust me. He couldn't figure out why I didn't intern there at all after college. But this is how my dad approached this. And I remember reading this. And and this is something I've said multiple times, but it sets into the stage that we're going is that I said, you know what? My dad is right. Social media will never replace a handshake. Nothing we do online will replace the ability to build trust through looking someone in their eyes and having that physical connection. But I do believe that if you use social media the way that it's meant to be used, not to market, not to sell, not to push stuff in people's feed, not to disrupt your day, rather to connect and be social, I do believe that it gives us the opportunity to have more handshakes. And I, of course, I'm that pager-wearing millennial. I say turn handshakes into hugs and selfies. And what I mean by that, if you think about it from a business perspective, even back to the frozen yogurt shop, for me, my dad, the connection, when people came into our yogurt shop, they didn't ask about the yogurt, they didn't even ask how I was doing, they asked about my dad. And they started talking to my dad, like my, telling me stories that my dad told them that I, of course, have heard 150 times that month, because my dad actually is the only person in my life that talks more than I do. And when I started to realize that, this connection, this this ability to bond is, the, is that handshake. It's that ability for us to connect. And so when we're looking at this, the world we're living in today, and I will say this without hesitation, that I firmly believe we are living in the greatest time in history. Because what my dad was doing with a little frozen yogurt shop that we ended up selling in 2009. My family now lives in, uh, in Arizona. But we, we owned it from uh, 1995 to 2009. It was not profitable until after the 10th year. But a lot of what we were doing was building it on this idea that connecting with people, building trust, telling the story of our business, providing great customer service, creating a community. I mean, we would, we would host the draft for the local little league out of our frozen yogurt shop. Right? We, someone would have some, a giveaway, they could put on the, the, the display on the windows of our store. Ultimately, what we were building was community, and trust, and relationships, and direct conversations. We were being memorable. Throughout the day-to-day, what are the things that were instilled in us? It's not about content for content's sake. It's about the importance of community. I will firmly say community is the future of business. I believe, hands down, if you build and invest in community today, it pays off in the long run tenfold. If you don't invest in community today and you wait till you screw up or you wait till your business is in the toilet and then you come ask us for help and you didn't care about us before, we give you a thumbs up or thumbs down or a different middle finger that probably goes along with that. And so I do believe that we're living in the greatest time in history because it does not matter where you live. It does not matter your race, your background, your sexual orientation, your resume. We have the ability to connect with people around the world. We have the ability to tell our story unfiltered. Growing up in Pittsburgh, for me, my family, my poor family still lives there. Many of them have still never left the state of Pittsburgh, maybe other than one vacation, to the shore. And so when they talk about things, their references and their data points are Pittsburgh. My young, my oldest daughter has skyped with one of my friends in Australia and knows what Vegemite is. <laughs> the idea that we can connect like any, nothing else before is powerful and a game changer. And for many people, when I tell this story, I hear things like, "Well, Brian, that's great, and it's cool that you you know you're embracing this whole world." But that's because it's you. It's because like you have this you know personality, and you're you know you're kind of shy, and it kind of works out you know kind of well. Oh, I'm not really shy. Let's be real. And yeah, and I'm not that, you know, I'm not that kid. Because for me, growing up, the thing that my mom likes, likes to kind of joke about is she believes I came out of the womb talking. And probably this fast as well. I know I talk fast, but those that don't know who I am. But when you look about it and you think about like this core elements, for me, growing up, I loved to talk. I loved going to school. I didn't like going to class. I still apologize to my teachers when I see them. And I've always been that kid that was like just a little bit different. And like, check out my dad's tuxedo t-shirt here. I mean, like, how cool is that? But that's me, uh, as you cannot surprise. They're trying to take a picture, and I'm the one making faces, looking to the side. Right? That was that was who I was. That was my personality. So you must think, right? When social media came out, when vid- when YouTube was announced, when all of these channels were out there, and just in context, I graduated college in 2003. Uh, Facebook was not out yet, and then I gave up my EDU address. So I wasn't able to be on Facebook uh, out of the gate. You would think, wow, like, Brian, this, the reason you love doing this, the reason you believe in this is because you, you jumped out of the gate. You were the man. Um, this is my YouTube channel. And these are my f- first four videos up till five years ago. Social media videos scared the crap out of me. I had this idea... I had this notion in my head that when I was creating content to put online, I needed to do what other people wanted to hear. I needed to be what they were. I needed to put myself in their shoes. And I can tell you, I hated it. Everything I did when I started, even on you know, a throwback to MySpace days, even when I was posting on MySpace, I would overanalyze every post. And for me, going on YouTube was so intimidating. The only pictures or videos that I put up there happened to be when I was in Iraq, happened to be a a golf outing where I was very drunk, and an announcement of my new website, which, as you can see, uh, Sean, you should be impressed, uh, 14 views five years later. Um, I have, like, seven devices, so that's really seven views because, like, seven of those are mine. But part of that reason also came... From my job. I was a government contractor supporting the, the active duty military, uh, working for a company called BAE Systems. And I had the highest civilian clearance you could get. I was working in cybersecurity, and my job was to deploy cybersecurity initiatives across the board. And I had a, a life-changing experience where I volunteered for an opportunity to teach a class in Korea and ended up getting promoted way above my, my pay grade, turning my job into a role that I was very lucky to have. Where I was working there as a contractor for nine years, I had 32 employees. I ran a $19.9 million a year budget. Uh, I traveled to 54 countries around the world. But early on in my career, someone came to me and said, hey, we want you to write for our company. And I was our, uh, it, was a, it was my executive. And, and I wrote three posts and sent it to him via email. And the email that I got back was simply this. He said, sorry, Brian, love that you want to blog for us, but you write like you talk. You share too many stories and experiences And that's really not what our company wants. Now I can tell you, I spent a lot of time because I wanted to be a sports center anchor growing up. And then I realized you had to be good in grammar and you had to major in journalism. Yeah. The thing I don't like worse than process is like journalism, grammar, and that side of the house. Like, my SAT scores were decent, and then they are like, oh, wait, we have to include uh, you know, like English. And they, they, that really wasn't a, much of a boost to my SAT score because that whole element was really hard and scary for me. So I put a ton of time in there, and I can remember the minute I got this email. It rocked me to my... Wait a second. He does, my company doesn't care about my stories. They don't want me to hear what I have to say. And this, this impacted me, but not impacted me in my career. It impacted me on telling my story. And I want to share this because... After that moment, right, and this is 2005, I actually went back and found the original emails for each of my signups for social media. So, as you can see, I was on MySpace, early adopter, whoop, whoop. Uh, it was literally the only option. We were moving from you know, AOL chat to MySpace. But in this time afterwards, so from 2005 until um, you saw some of those videos, you know, I signed up for Facebook, I signed up for LinkedIn, I logged on to Twitter, I figured out that Twitter was my favorite platform. I ended up creating eight different Twitter accounts. Uh, all of them with the last thing, fans, because as you'll learn about me, as I'm not a niche person, I like to do a little bit of everything. Uh, And I decided, I was like, oh, I need an account for social media, I need an account for technology, I need a uh, Twitter account for poker, I need one for Pittsburgh sports, I need one for technology, I need one for my love for travel. So I literally had a Twitter account for that entire world. But one of the things that, like, throughout that piece is I started to use social media, but I use social media as just a way to connect, Still telling my story, putting myself out there, was not something I felt comfortable doing. And a lot of that changed my very first trip to Iraq. And I'm, I'm not military. The company I worked for was 99% uh, ex-military. I was the 1% exception. And so my very first trip to Iraq, as you can imagine, mom and dad were not sure why I was going or uh, we're not okay with that happening, but I was very blessed. I traveled as a as a GS-15. I had a Marine attached to me at all times. I ended up going there three times. uh, went to Afghanistan twice. But going there and having the experiences I had, this is actually Saddam Hussein's uh, you know, throne, and I was able to sit in his uh, castle. I actually got to play cards uh, inside of that castle. I got to play poker with some of the uh, the local nationals there. But one of the things that really blew my mind was it was actually my 13th trip to the Middle East and I was falling in love with the Middle East. And to me, something about the Middle East had this feeling of people that just cared about their, 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 their heritage. They cared about each other. They treated people that were outsiders like myself very nicely, and they, they, they loved who I was, but... When I would say that or I would share that, it was always a very interesting conversation. And when I was there in Iraq, I was listening to these soldiers and listening to the people I was working for. And I was teaching them cybersecurity. And in perspective, the reason they were in my class is because when they signed up to join the military at 18, 19 years old, they simply put iTunes as their proficiency on their entry form. And they're like, well, we're going to put you in a cybersecurity class that's going to teach you how to secure our network that controls the drones that are flying over Iraq. So these these gentlemen and ladies that were in these classes that I were teaching were some of the the coolest and most amazing people. And this picture is kind of funny because on the left, that's me flying to Iraq the very first time. Um, The one on the bottom there, uh, you know, like me looking away, is the very first night because we got mortared. And the guy that was standing next to me was like, just put your noise-canceling headphones on. It's cool. I was like, I just slept in a bunker. I have no military experience. This idea, this concept. And so one of the things that really that shook me or that I understood was I just fell in love with the idea that people were, those that were active duty were not only willing to commit their time and sacrifice their their family and all of these things, but they had all of these amazing stories. And I would spend every night, because I couldn't sleep because we got mortared, talking and having these these amazing conversations. And so I finally in 2009 said, you know what? While I'm over there in Iraq another time, I'm going to start blogging. I'm going to put this blog on, you know, and anyone Anyone guess what that site is that's hosting that? Blogger. blogger. Oh, yeah, there you go. So as you can tell, very, very uh, high edge. And just kind of like my YouTube uh, videos that you saw, that little seven in parentheses over here, that's the total amount of people that read th- this blog. But what I did is I, I, I wrote this blog. I put myself out there. I decided, you know what, I'm going to tell this story because what I was doing in Iraq and Afghanistan was pretty pretty amazing. And the people that were there were, were still something people that made a lot of sense to me. But I can tell you, writing still worried me. I still thought about that day where my boss told me that he didn't like the way I write because I, t- the, I wrote the way I talked. And I would start telling stories, and I've been to 76 countries as of today. Uh, I got to my 76 uh, a couple weeks ago, and when people would always ask me, Brian, what's your favorite country that you've ever been into the world? My answer has always been Bahrain. Now, some of you are like, I have no idea where that's at. Don't worry, I didn't either whenever they told me I was going there the first time. I've actually been there 16 times total, And it's a little island off the coast of Saudi Arabia. And I fell in love with the culture, the people, just so much of what that area was for me, just it allowed me to feel things about a world that the media and my friends around me were telling me that were completely false. I was, wait, Brian, you like the Middle East? Like, you're a white guy. I'm like, valid point, I am. Like, you can see that. I don't hide. Like, I, I stand out as, you know, that ignorant American everywhere I go. But one of the things that I, that I started to realize is the more stories I told that, the more people started to, to want to understand a little bit more about this culture that was being fed to them. This is where the bad guys come from, or they don't like foreigners, or all of these this disconnect. And I started to realize the importance of empathy and the importance of putting ourselves in the shoes of other people. And I can tell you this whole time throughout this period, I wished that social media to me was a vehicle for putting myself out there. But every time I would want to talk about something like this or want to share something, I was deathly worried about what people would say. And I would remember that moment that I had with, you know, the, my boss telling me that he didn't want me to blog. And the truth is, I probably shouldn't have been blogging. Blogging wasn't the place for me to tell my story. But apparently, neither was YouTube, if we remember this <laughs> screenshot. But thankfully for me, there was an element of, as I was growing my brand, I decided to leave the U.S. government at my height. I got promoted to a job role, and they told me, this is your job for life, you're going to work in cybersecurity for the government, and I got sick to my stomach. Because I said, I wanted to change the world, I wanted to do more things with my life, and, no offense to anyway, works in the government, working in an environment where they're the master of spinning their wheels and going nowhere... And I was deploying software that was four years old. It was a slightly frustrating job for me as I was emerging. And so what I decided to do is I decided to leave. And I went to a, a data center company. And I became the face of a data center company. Yes, that sexy company they can think of as a data center company. But I, I went to that company. And I started to have this idea where, you know what? I'm just going to start putting myself out there. And I'm going to start you know, doing what I say, press the damn button. I'm going to start kind of pushing this, this envelope. But it still felt weird, still felt disconnected. And I've been giving a little bit of love to my dad, because my dad did have a big influence on me on marketing. But I'm truly a mama's boy, like a massive mama's boy. And my mom changed everything for me. And I hope that this this kind of resonates for everyone here. Because for many of us, telling our story and putting ourselves out there online is scary. It's weird. We don't like video. Breaking news, nobody likes video when you start. Like, I, I still don't like watching myself on video. I'm like, stop talking with your hands. Slow down. You're spitting. Why are you licking your lips? What are you doing? That was yesterday, like literally yesterday when I was watching a video clip of mine. But what my mom told me, and and I remember this day very clearly, it was November 2nd, 2013, she said, are you being the same person you are offline, online? Of course I am, Mom, I work in social media. And she said, no, what made you great, what you did really well that allowed you to stand out is you played with all different groups, you stayed true to yourself, you were unapologetically not afraid to be who you were in everything that you did. And I immediately was looking at my Twitter picture there on my screen as my mom was telling this. And it was a picture with me with a nice buttoned up shirt, no hat, trimmed up, you know, nice background. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. I think my mom's figured something out. And I can tell you from that moment forward, my life, my business, my personal life transformed. And a lot of it had to do with the idea, all of a sudden I was like, well, you know what? YouTube scares me, but I should maybe do an interview show. And maybe I should just put video out on these different platforms. And then lucky for me... Something came out in the very beginning of 2014, which was this app called Meerkat. And Meerkat came out in, in March of uh, 2014. I happened to be uh, in Barcelona working with Dell. And that app came out, and you were, you were able to simply press a button on your phone, and it would tweet something out, which was my favorite social network, and you were able to share that video, hence live video as we're knowing today. And immediately, everything changed for me. The thing I was scared about was perfection. The thing I was scared about was control. The thing I was worried about was SEO. The thing I was worried about was, what do other people want to hear? And all of a sudden, I was given a tool that the whole design was no perfection. The whole design was to put yourself out there. And that you were actually getting rewarded for being real. Because if we all know, if you remember back in those days, your very first meerkat and your very first periscope, does everybody know what that was? Your feet. Because every time you did it, you programmed it. You hit the button, and you said, oh, my God, the backwards camera comes on first? What the hell? And then I would have, like, sound go out, or, or we'd be interviewing somebody on Google Hangouts, and they wouldn't be able to hear us, or it would be disconnected. I decided to launch a Twitter chat, and then a second Twitter chat, and then a third Twitter chat. I teamed up with amazing people, and we were interviewing people around the world. We were working in this amazing environment. All of a sudden, I started getting comfortable telling my story. At that time, I was listening to podcasts. Big shout out to Pat Flynn on his podcast presentation today. Podcasts to me are the way I consume. I already mentioned to you school wasn't my thing. I was diagnosed ADHD at 31 years old. I realized at that moment the reason school wasn't my thing is because I kept thinking I was just weird and I was broken and I was, something was wrong with me. Then I just realized, no, I just think differently, operate differently, and the way I consume must be different. And so I loved podcasts. I decided to create a podcast myself. And I will tell you that moment, November of that year, when I started to put myself out there and realized that it's about myself. And then I started to create content without the idea of caring about what other people's opinions are or what allowed me to get on this stage in 2015. Tyler gave me the opportunity to come up here and he even gave me the opportunity to live stream from the back of the room up to the front of the room using a, a website plugin that had never been used before because it came out that morning. And Tyler's like, sure, I trust you. And we did, and we made that happen. I've been able to launch three podcasts since then. But beyond that, and from a brand perspective, those that are thinking, how does this work for us? I've been able to work with these brands on launching campaigns and initiatives that focus on real people doing real things, on people telling stories and, and using conversation to do things the way that they are. And I think this is where we're looking, and I love today's entire ramp up of all the presentations. Because one of the things that you you can understand, if it's content, if it's influencer marketing, if it's user-generated content, if it's podcasting, if it's ads, what's working now is people. What's working now is trust. What's working now is being real, connecting with people at that real level. And so what I'm here to say is this, this nonsense that I was fed many years ago that kicked me in the gut are a lot of things that you are thinking about right now. Right now you're saying, this is great, this is cool, but I'm, I'm not ready to put myself out there. Or you're saying, well, Brian, what I do is boring. I'm not traveling around the 76 countries. Well, or you're saying, you know what, this is, this is nice, and maybe that's something I'll do when I get around to it. Right? This is where I'm, But I, we are moving forward, right? We're moving forward to an environment now where it says people like when they know that you're human. I work with IBM. I was the very first person ever to be on the IBM main stage without a tie-on. Now, I can tell you the reason they wanted that to happen is because they just wanted the to, like, token millennial checkbox. That's, <laughs> that was the, that's, that's what I qualified for that initiative. But what I want you guys to think about, and what I think about in your business, and as you take this, all of this amazing information moving forward, I want you to think about that, that no matter what industry you're in, no matter what vertical you, you are providing services in today, every single person in this room right now is in the business of trust. We are in the business of building trust. We are building in the business of maintaining trust. And I would say the hardest element of this is scaling trust. How do we scale trust in a world that is filled with bad news and fake news? The answer is us. We've heard the adage, our business is great not because of our products, because of the people that work there. It's time for us to start putting that to work. For how many times will I tell this, and I say this every time, the greatest influencers for every company are already on your payroll. They're called your employees. If your employees aren't talking about your business, aren't sharing your conversation online, you don't have a marketing problem, you have a business culture problem. You can't work with influencers on the outside if your own employees who are on your payroll aren't willing to talk about your company. Or more likely than not, they're not even following you on social media. I won't even ask for hands. I did that like twice and that was really weird when the, guy, the boss was like, wait, you're not following us? And like, no, you post too much content. I hate it. And like if your own employee hates the content you're putting out, I think we have a problem. But when we move forward and we look at this, I believe we're moving marketing into a new day and age and that is relatability. The reason I'm all in on influencer marketing, the reason I love Tyler's presentation on user-generated content is guess what it is? It's real people using the products and services that we already trust because they look like us. Because they, they understand our pain points. They understand who we are. And so when you're thinking about your business today, when you're, when you're looking at your website, or maybe you're taking back some of the notes that you're taking from this event, what I want you to start asking yourself is, am I presenting myself the way that, that my, my old company wanted me to in 2005? Or am I being myself? Am I putting it out there, the stories of my company? The, the things that, that make up my business? Am I being transparent in the entire process? Now, I will say, I said every business is in the business of, of trust. Transparency does not guarantee trust. Transparency allows people to have an authentic window into who you are. If you suck offline and you're transparent about it online, we're going to realize quickly that you suck online as well. So transparency is is an interesting space. And here's the thing that's going to be the game changer, is that very soon, it's happening right now, but it hasn't hasn't happened at at the mass that I'm excited for, consumers will demand transparency. Right now, marketers are talking about it, some brands are being creative with it, but ultimately, when consumers start demanding transparency, those brands that have been scared to go on Facebook Live and making excuses like, my, my business, is, my, my clients aren't on that platform, or live video really isn't for me, or you know that's, that's something that we can do later on down the road. Here's the thing, the reason most brands aren't going live right now is because they're selling unicorns, and they're selling you know rainbows, and they're selling bullshit. And they've been getting away with it and being rewarded for the last 9 or 10 years. They've been able to get away with faking it till you're making it and putting a service up there on your website and claiming that's going to help out. And today and as we move forward, consumers are going to demand transparency and the questions become, how are we going to react? How are we going to move forward? And here's here's the thing that we have to ask ourselves even as consumers. Are we going to continue to blame social media and technology for the problems that we are getting exposed right now? Or are we going to realize that the world's been screwed up for a long time? And social media and technology is amplifying that and bringing light to that. And we have the opportunity to change who we are as people and then use social media and technology to push that forward. And the way that we're going to do that is not only we're going to be transparent, but we're going to default to authenticity. As Mitch was saying up here, it's very easy now. We must, when we screw up, we must admit that we screw up. The idea of deleting comments and trying to put a, a you know a mirage around no longer works. Consumers are smarter today than they've ever been before. They demand the idea that says, if you make a mistake, own it. Be that element of who you are. And so where I want you guys to take this as we move forward, as we understand the rest of the you know, taking what you have now, is I want you to embrace the fact of who you are. Every person in this room has a story to tell. I believe we all have not only a story to tell, but we have the ability to tell that around the world. Now, how do we tell that story and make a difference? Here's my two golden rules. They're on every presentation I give. Perfection is a fairy tale. If you are trying to be perfect, you will never execute. The second one is control is an illusion. You can only control who you are and what you do as an individual. You cannot control what people say about you. You cannot control how your customers talk about you. If you are not on a social platform today when your customers are trying to tag you and talk to you, do you know what they think? It's not like, wow, that company's really good at managing the resources and time. (laughs) They think they don't care about us. I will say this. If you want to really find the value in social media, it's not about getting new clients. It's about taking my current customers, turning them into fans. Taking my existing fans and turning them into ambassadors and influencers and letting them do the marketing and sales for us. But to do that, you must allow them in. You must give them access into who you are as a company, as a business. You must connect with them at that level where you're able to look you in your eyes. And if I can give you one advice on how you make this happen, it's something that I learned back in 2013 when I kind of started this entire initiative. Is people ask me, Brian, how did you grow your brand from less than 2,000 followers in 2014 to where you're at today? And my answer has been this one answer ever since that day. Show you care about others before you want them to care about you. You heard things up here on the stage about, uh, you know, uh, how long Scott spent to get into those, uh, those groups that he was getting into because you had to spend time getting to know someone before you can ask them for something. Consumers today, we can smell it. And for everybody here in here, we got to stop doing content for content's sake, and we have to start, stop believing that our sales messages under the blog title isn't being exposed by our consumers. We realize that it's a sales message hidden in blog format. And so as we look at this, as we move the needle forward, I'm going I'm to put this on everyone in this room. We need to understand empathy starts with us. If we want the world to be more empathetic, and I'm guessing everyone in this room does, we can't expect others to allow us to be empathetic towards them until we're first willing to be empathetic or allow people to be empathetic towards us. And what I mean by that is that you have to start telling your story. You have to start putting yourself out there. And so I beg you, what I'm going to ask everyone to do, this is the call to action for this event, is look at your notes, understand all of the amazing things that you've learned throughout this day, put a star next to one of them, and execute on it. Anyone can go to a conference. Every business can watch a webinar. Every business can read a blog post. They can listen to podcasts. We all got this information, but it's, nothing's really brand new in this entire scheme. The difference is those that are willing to be themselves, execute, and then ultimately Press the damn button. I challenge each and every person take one piece of, th- of advice, one tip, one, in- one thing that you're doing right now, and implement it. Take action today. Don't say you're gonna do it in a week. Don't say you're gonna go live and you're gonna wait till your hair appointment, because your hair appointment will happen, and they're gonna be like, well, the lighting's wrong, so you're gonna wait a week for there. And then you're gonna say, I don't have the right microphones, so you're gonna wait a week till your budget for your microphone, and then you're gonna get your new microphone, and then you're gonna realize that now you need another hair appointment. And then next year you show up here and you have the audacity to say, I was inspired, I was motivated, and I'm still thinking about executing. I'm tired of that. It's done. Those who execute today are the ones changing the world. I challenge you, press the damn button. Thank you.